You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hi there, Slow Down Society. Welcome back to another edition of the Slow Living Podcast. And I am absolutely thrilled that my in real life friend, Angela, is here today to share her slow down story. So Angela, thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So one of the reasons I was super excited that you agreed to be vulnerable and come on the podcast was I know you as my friend, Angela, who I met in high school, who married Mike, who you also met in high school. And there's not all that many people out there who have met their spouse in high school. And so you and I have always connected over that. But then once we had kids and I found you all over again as an adult, you had this whole other part of your life trajectory that I didn't really know about. And I would love for you to just kind of share your story and explain who you are and what you do. Sure. So I had an idea of where I was going and what I was doing, sort of. Um, I had always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I always thought I wouldn't be elementary school because I like projects and art and create, you know, creating things, that sort of thing. Um, And so, but I was still kind of not sure what I was doing. I was in college. Um, still kind of, you know, out there figuring it out. And then finally I decided, okay, um, I'm going to go into elementary school. I'm going to, that's what I wanted to do. Um, then I, um, then I worked with some kids in an after school program and I decided they're great, but that's not what I really want to do. Um, it's a lot. Um, and so, um, so with that, I, um, what did I decide to do? I'm trying to think back. It's been so long. Um, <laughs> we're not that old. <laughs> we're not that old, but you know, you know, 20 something years ago, it winds up, you know, getting lost in there. Um, so I was engaged to be married. There we go. I was engaged to be married and everything was going fine. I was planning. Um, you know, thankfully everything was um pretty good on um, you know, good good path to go. Um, our wedding, I was engaged in 2001 and our wedding date was 020202, Groundhog Day. Um, and so uh, I had some time. Um, so um, I one day um, was in Reno celebrating my sister-in-law's birthday and um, I had a horrible, horrible cold. And so like I do with um, any candy, I to it immediately. Like I did cough drops. So I had cough drops of echinacea, you know, kind of beat this cold. Um, and so I came home, I still felt terrible. I went to sleep. I woke up, I couldn't feel my leg. Like my, or actually I couldn't feel my feet. My feet were tingly and I just couldn't feel them. I kind of started sliding. We had stairs. I lived with my parents and I kind of slid down because I couldn't feel them. Almost like you're sitting on your foot, that tingly prickly feeling. Um, and it was weird and, you know, it goes away after a minute or so once you get going and it didn't. And I kind of thought, oh, okay, that's weird. 
whatever. Next day I woke up. And so I couldn't feel up to my knees. Like, I'm like, what is going on? And, um, and so that was in my left leg. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember like just how it all went because it was like, so kind of like whirlwind, um, time. Um, you know, so, you know, go to the doctors, blah, blah, blah. By this time it had, it had moved up both legs and then, or, you know, in both legs, belly button down, I couldn't feel anything and I could barely walk. Like oh I could, my I mean, gosh, Angela, how scary. It was very scary because I didn't know what it was. You know, you start reading and, you know, reading is not good. The internet and, and, and technology is fantastic. However, when something goes wrong, you know, and you look it up, it, it's it's scary because it comes up with a thousand things that could be wrong with you. And so um, anyway, so I was looking up, I didn't know, went to the doctors, they wanted to do um, all these blood tests on me. And I mean, for anything from HIV down to like Lyme's disease, you know, which of course you're going to need to do to rule everything out. But now I'm going through my mind, you know, like, oh my gosh, how could I have had, you know, had any of these things? Anyway, kind of speed it along. Turns out that I have multiple sclerosis. And so I was told on July 5th, 2001, uh, 2001, um, okay. that I had, okay, so I'm going to go back. So I was engaged in 2000, 2001 yeah. is when I was diagnosed, um, on July 5th, um, at the, everything started, um, April, the uh, last weekend of April. And so by July 5th, I was diagnosed, which is really, really great because lots of people go years and years without being diagnosed. Um, so because of MRIs and, and they could see the lesions in my brain, um, then uh, they can they could diagnose it. So to, to kind of go back, m- multiple sclerosis is a disease of the central nervous system. So it affects your brain and your spine. And it's kind of like, I think of it as like, your nerves are kind of like a highway throughout your body. Messages go from your brain to different parts of your body to send signals, to move, to feel, and that sort of thing. So what happens is my body doesn't like the myelin, which is the coating around your nerves that protect it. And so it eats like the best way I can kind of describe it is it kind of eats little holes in it. And so then you think of it as like a a hiccup or or a pothole. And so it can't send that message smoothly down. And so then that's when you have, you know, the tingling or you can't move because your brain can't send that signal. Like I remember going upstairs. Um, and having to think, okay, we're going to go up the stair now. All right, are we ready? Like I had to tell myself, okay, we're gonna pick up your foot, you know, and like I had to talk myself through it because I couldn't like I couldn't just move, you know, like I want like I t- typically did. So anyway, um I kind of went through this time where, you know, after being diagnosed um and being put on uh I lost um let's see what happened I was diagnosed went through I everything got better I have relapsing remitting MS there's different kinds of MS um so I guess if you're gonna say you know what kind do you have I have the best kind because in that sense because it can come back but then it goes away mm-hmm. and it typically doesn't leave residual side effects mm-hmm. um from from that relapse um, I've, I have had several, um, so, um, during over the years, 
tell you about that in a second. Um, but from from that first one, ever since it's like my feet feel like I walk in um, sandy socks all the time, and that's all the time. Okay, so really, so if you and I are on a walk together, you feel sand in your socks always. Now, right now, I did not. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, it feels like I'm like my feet, just my feet and my toes always feel like there's they're like something's under there. They're like, they, it's, it's a real, uh, weird sensation. It's a nerve sensation. Um, so I take medicine that helps, but it doesn't make it go away. It kind of takes the edge off because it kind of gets um, frustrating and annoying sometimes. Yeah. Because you're like, oh my gosh, stop. So it, it's fascinating to hear all of this backstory because throughout the years, um, I've heard bits and pieces. Um, but one, I haven't really questioned you a whole bunch because I, as your friend, just have always thought when you want to talk about it, you want to talk about it. And I don't think of you as Angela, my friend who has MS. I think of you as Angela, who taught at the high school, Angela, who's the parent of of 19 year old who matches my 19 year old and and then your son and, and who likes whales and who's mm-hmm. married to Mike and, and who's like, that's how I have always thought of you. So I hope you know that one of the reasons I've never like pestered you with questions is not because I'm not interested. I just didn't want you to um, feel burdened by a whole bunch of my questions. Well, the thing with, with me is that, I deal with it by talking about it mm. and kind of almost instantly, um, not instantly, but, you know, once it kind of settled in, um, my mom actually was really instrumental in kind of helping me through that time. She contacted the MS society for me. Um, she, um, helped me and encouraged me because I think I went through kind of a, um, you kind of go through a grieving depression sort of, I guess. Um, yeah, that um, makes perfect sense. And I mean, it was it was there because I was still in kind of a disbelief. I mean, it's been 22 years and I'm still sort of in a like, really, I have that. OK, you know, and I talk about it as if it's not mine, you know, it's not something I deal with, even though I do and I know it. It's kind of like it's just kind of this. like no. disconnect. Well, so it's interesting because at the age you were diagnosed, our daughters are are like practically that age. So while you're telling your story. One, I'm very like involved and empathetic that I I feel dreadful that you went through this and I did not know. Um, and then two, I actually have a lot of empathy for your mom and your dad because that's an awful lot um, to navigate. And so I'm, I'm thankful that you have your parents and everyone just leans on each other in such a great way. Uh, I'm very, very grateful. And when, you know, before I got married with Mike, um, I told him because a lot of marriages dissolve over things like this. They can't handle it. The partner can't handle it because my future is unknown. I mean, the disease doesn't care where it goes and what it attacks. So the other things I've had over the years is it went, I had optic neuritis. So it attacked my sense, my eye, my, um, optic nerve, my eye. So that typically goes away mine took away my central vision in my eye. So it was like, you don't know. So I kind of live, you know, I don't necessarily think about it, but at the same time, 
it's in my head. Like I need to do everything I possibly can. And when I got diagnosed, so two things. So I got involved with the MS society because I felt like I need to do something. I need to tell people about this. I want to educate people. And I've always been like that. And I guess that's the the educator part of me. Um, and, um, and so, uh, so with Michael, I told him, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know what this is going to be. You know, if you don't want to do this, if you don't want to stay with me, I understand because you don't know what your future is going to be like. Am I going to wind up in a wheelchair someday? I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility for anybody, but I have a disease that can cause that. Um, and he told me, which um, always makes my mother, I think, uh, you know, very teary in a way. Um, is like, it's not your disease, it's our disease. And he's always been there for me. Um, and all the different medications, I had to have shots for 11 years. He gave them to me because I couldn't do it. It was just, yeah. I just couldn't. And so he did it for me. Um, but after I was diagnosed, the company that I worked for decided that I could just fall down and it'd be a problem. And so they let me go, which is not okay. Um, and so oh. I So you that. didn't immediately go into teaching. I did not know that. No, I was still working. I was still doing the after school program. So I was in college still. Um, and I was still, yeah, I was still in college. Um, and oh, I take that back. I graduated the end of 2000. And then I was kind of like in between. I was working after school program, you know, just kind of figuring out what my next step was. So they decided after my, after my wedding, after they all came to my wedding that that um, I couldn't come back because it flared again during my mm. honeymoon and it was still in the new stage, you know, so it flared up again and I was having some problems. And so anyways, they decided in however they just said it, which was not a good way and let me go. So with that, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh no, this is not okay. I'm going into HR. I am going to make sure I'm employee, like, uh, like employee relations, employee, like law, like make sure people don't deal with this. This is, you know, so I went back to school to get a master's degree in public administration because I'm like, mm, 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 I'm going to stop this. Um, and so, um, I did finish that. However, um, that October, my sister started teaching. Um, English at the high school that um, you and I went to. Um, and uh, and so she's like, hey, Angela, why don't you just become a sub? Just sub. You know, you pick and choose your days. If you don't feel good, you don't have to go. So that's what I did. I subbed and I subbed for four years. And so I was introduced into the high school world and I loved it. And I um, and I was there all the time because it's like, you know, five minutes from the house. Mm-hmm. And so um so um, my sister decided to leave because she had she lived in Sacramento. And so she was commuting. She'd stay here during the week and then go home in Sacramento on the weekends. And she had enough. And so, hey, why don't you get your credential and take over and teach your book? Because that's what she taught. And your book is close to scrapbooking, sort of. Um, and I love scrapbooking. <laughs> Um, uh, and I say sort of, cause it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it is, but it's not, it's, it's memories and it's documentation. It's all the things I love, but it's just digital. So anyway, so I went back to school and I, um, and I got my credential to teach English, which I needed for your book. And mm-hmm. um, so talking about different pathways and different things that you're going to do. So I did have a pathway and this is, I talked I used to talk to students about this and, um, you know, you're on your road, you're on your road. You think I am, I am straight ahead. I know what I want to do. I want college. I want to get married. I want to have children, whatever your 
idea is. Um, but then, oh, you have a detour, you have a pothole, yeah. you have whatever. And, and then you have to make a change. And um, so even though I was towards the teaching realm, I was towards elementary school, but then, you know, intervention happened, changed me into human resources, intervention happened, changed me yeah. into high school. So um, after I did that, I taught at the high school for 16 years. And I taught lots of different things at the high school. But my primary thing, well, my primary thing was yearbook. But I always, in the beginning years especially, I got kids involved. They knew I had MS. They were at the walks. One year I had 96 walk participants. Mm. And I would say 90% of them were students. And they didn't do a ton of fundraising or anything like that. But the idea is that they were learning about what it was. They were going there for um, for me, for, for, you know, just the cause in itself and representing, which I thought was quite amazing. And those, those were the early years, especially when I subbed. My sister really had a great influence on students and got them to go. And so um, I talked about it all the time with kids and they'd ask questions and, um, even back earlier than that, I used to do uh, the MS Society had a readathon. Mm-hmm. And so I would go and talk to little kids and I would do demonstrations for these kids. And um, I mean, there'd be like 500, you know, little kids out there listening to this to do the readathon and that sort of thing. And um, um, and it was it was great. It was I loved it. And um, but then they ended that program. And so then I did now I do walk, uh, the MS walk. Um, every year. So 22 years of that. Um, that's, that's wonderful. I, I love that you do all this and I'm going to, um, in the show notes, you'll send me a link where people can, can find you and, and can help see what you're doing and, and donate to the cause. I wanted to circle back if you're okay. Yeah. Um, you had talked about the grieving process mm-hmm. and then you talked about detours in the road. So, so which absolutely lines up to everything that we write, coach, teach and speak about with slow living and that you have to know where you're going and, and kind of program your metaphoric GPS and then you'll get there when you get there. And the good news is you're not dead yet. So you can, yeah. you can, you can keep moving ahead. Um, with that grief process, and, and I know you had that conversation with Michael about whether or not, well, so it's funny, you call him Michael, I've always called him Mike. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, because everybody, and then there's people who call him Mikey, you know, so he's oh, wow. the okay. names he goes by, depending on who, who it is. Yeah, um, no, but I, I always thought, like, well, that's his formal name. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figure um, I give Mike to everybody else, and he's yeah. my so. Yeah, Um but I love, I love that sort of conversation and, and how thoughtful and respectful and loving and, and talk about unconditional love and that this is our, our, did he, s- symptoms, disease, what, what words? Like, do you call it a disease? Is it a disease or? It's a disease. Okay. Yeah, okay. it is a disease. Um, it's an um, autoimmune disease. As of right now, you know, things change all the time, you know, the, yeah. the, um, the technology and the things that they, I mean, like even the medications, I mean, yeah. I started, there were three, I don't even know how many there are now. I mean, it's unreal. So, I, can- so Okay. So we're, we're most definitely speaking the same language. And, um, so I want to circle back to that, uh, with the, you never know 
what technology and science has in store, because that comes up with me a lot with celiac. And I, I mm-hmm. know that is um, the same in that way. Um, with your grieving process, how did you go from getting this diagnosis to not knowing if your fiance is going to leave you, not knowing if you're ever going to walk properly to shifting that in such a tremendously positive way. I mean, you are literally one of the most positive people I know. And I get lit up every time I'm with you and, and, and talk to you because, oh my gosh, you and I can go down rabbit holes of, of crystals and, and <laughs> astrology and, and, and let's go get a mud bath. Like I, I literally, I love chatting with you. So how did you decide? Did you decide like, I'm going to grieve? And then rip off the bandaid, I'm done. Or or how did you do that? Because it's it's really admirable. Thank you. Um, um wow, thank you. That's so nice. Because uh, <laughs> I don't see myself like that. I always say, yeah, I don't I don't when I see myself or think of myself, I don't think of that. So thank you. Um, that's really nice. Um, you know, so I <laughs> I don't know, like, if I ever truly, truly grieved. So I did wind up going to a therapist at okay. one point. Um, and she said, have you grieved this disease? And I'm like, you know, this part of you, um, because it's, and I don't even know, because I haven't really lost anything. Uh, you know, and I have, and I have to say, when I talk to some people, even my mother, and, you know, she's like, oh, I feel bad, you know, maybe I did something. No, no, like, I was supposed, this was supposed to happen because it sent me on paths I needed to go on or that were meant for me. I mean, I kind of feel like, I mean, you can choose the way you go. So the, these things happen, right? I'm trying to think of the right words. How to describe you're, it. you're just fine. So, so please know that I have a ping pong brain and I am a-okay with all of this. So there's, who cares? You're, you're doing fine. I think you're great. So like, so with this, so, okay. So the grieving. So I don't know what to do. So with the grieving, I I don't think I ever grieved that. I grieved and I was sad that somebody looked at me and said, you can't do this job because you're going to fall down. That's the part that I was sad about. Mm. That's the part that upset me. Now, what am I going to do? I don't know. So that was, I think, what I grieved. And the way I deal with that is I guess maybe not think about it and just do as much as I can because I don't want to have to grieve a loss. Like, oh my gosh, I lost that opportunity because I wasn't able to walk or, or mm. I'm not able to walk now or see or whatever the situation may be. So I became a yes person, which is a good thing to a point, to a point. Um, but um but as far as like that grieving, I am I don't know if I ever ever really did but I feel that I I needed to go down I need this disease it was kind of and it's just such a strange word it's a gift in a sense because it gave me a purpose it gave me a drive it gave me kind of that kick that I needed to keep going and I can't just like melt in a ball and 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 give up because that is, isn't what I wanted my life to be. Um, so um, I guess if that kind of helps sort of 
answer that grieving part of it. So, I mean, some days I am like, I don't feel good. I'm just tired and I'm like frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a grief. I mean, I've never like, like grieve sad, like cried. Like I have. Sure. But, but also there's, I mean, a shit ton, sorry, don't say bad words, but there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables. I mean, you're the same age I am. So now there's perimenopause, there's, there's newbornedness. (laughs) Like there's all this stuff that we've, that that a quote unquote normal person, and I'm saying that in quotes because you are absolutely normal, and there's nothing wrong with you. Right, right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I, 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 um. So I wasn't kidding when I used the word admirable about talking about you, because I think a lot of people use whatever the obstacle is in their path as an excuse. And you most certainly never, ever, ever have. You had the idea of, well, how do I get this boulder out of my way? Because I'm, I'm moving. I'm, I'm continuing on my path, no matter what. Knowing me, I climb over it. I like to do. <laughs> if it's, if it's something like, why are you doing this? It, it, that would be one of the things. Like I would be you know, out there climbing over this boulder to get around it. Um, not around over. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it, it, I don't think it ever has really stopped me. I mean, when I lost the vision in my eye, I kept going to work. I could barely read. And um, the second time I lost my vision, I did stay home that time because, um, everybody's like, you're crazy. You need to just stay home and you, you just need to rest and get it, you know, to, because that's what you need to do is just rest and let it kind of run its course. You know, it's like for me, when it, when it, does come back it's like a six week you know kind of I think of it as like a hill like you start get worse gets worse 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 peaks out and then better 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 and so I would say it's like um you know but like three months um but I didn't like when I was teaching I was working like I cannot call in sick I will not call in sick and I didn't um until that second time where I'm like okay I can't do this Um, and it was, and that was, it was, it became too much. Um, what I was doing, I was overstressing myself. Stress is not good, um, for anyone. Um, stress is a particularly, uh, problem for MS because it's not good for your immune system. Um, and my immune system is compromised because of the medicine I take now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and so I have to be careful, um, with that. But yeah. um, So it's interesting because, I mean, I know you, so I know you've had some challenges. And a few minutes ago, you talk about how you're a yes person, mm. but but you are a yes person at times, perhaps maybe to a fault. Does that sound right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I had a thing up on my wall. I don't remember. I think I've taken it down. Um, but it's like, you know, say yes, but no one to say no. You know, mm. and then just learning, you know, like, okay, you need to just stop. You need to sit down. And, um, you know, Mike and the kids are away camping this week. And, um, the other day, um, he messaged me and he's like, Oh, what are you up to today? I'm like, Oh, I had all these things I really wanted to get done. I said, but instead, uh, I'm trying to teach myself how to crochet. Um, so. And so that's really interesting. My mother-in-law wants a crocheting buddy. She's taken a class at CSM. Do you want to join her? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't yes. want to do it. <laughs> oh, I was starting this blanket with um, my daughter. And so we, she, 
she kind of paused on it because she does this pen pal thing now. Um, and so I kind of got discouraged. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to learn how to crochet animals and things. So I'm crocheting this doll that's consuming all of my time because I start and I'm like, no, 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 I guess start over. No, no, because I, I am a perfectionist. I can't just say this is enough. A doctor once asked me, she's like, can't you just say it's okay and move on or it's good enough? No, no, no. Yet I have learned and I know mm-hmm. that there's no such thing as perfect. There are flaws with everything. I mean, there's textbook. I taught yearbook, right? And so I was like, it's got to be perfect. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm going to do the very, very best I possibly can to the last moment. But I know it can't be perfect. But I'm really trying with this doll. So with that, my husband, he says to me, he's like, it's okay. So I'm like, I'm like, I just sat here and I just did, you know, watch TV and I just didn't, I just didn't feel like doing anything. And he's like, that's okay. You need to rest. And he's so good about that. He never ever pressures me or makes me feel bad. I think I put the guilt on myself because I feel like I need to do more. Like, uh, uh, you know, because I, so last, so at the end of 2022, I left teaching. And, um, and so now I'm kind of searching out what my new road is going to, or what road I'm going to go down. I don't quite know yet. Um, what I want to do, I have ideas, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, I'm not qualified for that. I look at my resume. I'm like, it looks like I'm qualified, but in my mind, I'm like, like, you see all these nice things about me, but like, at the same time, I'm like, I don't see that. It's kind of like that with, with the way I look at jobs. Like I can't apply for that because I'm not going to be good enough. So, so, so let's talk about that a little bit with your with your mindset and kind of your self talk. So you didn't let yourself go down a negative chatter rabbit hole when you were diagnosed. You didn't let your brain constantly tell you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. You you shifted that to how can I do this or, or what can I do differently to make this work. Um, so what's what's the obstacle now? Um, You know, I put so much time and effort into developing my yearbook class. And I think, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, it's just a yearbook. It, yes, it is. It is just that it is. But I made it so that it was an academic class. And I spent a lot of time um, um, creating this class. So it was accepted by UCs and CSUs. So, you know, students had like solid like credit for i mean you can get scholarships for so i i put so much time into that when my daughter was little i felt now i feel like looking back like oh my gosh did i neglect her because i gave all the time to that instead and i asked her and she's like no no you were fine and i think back to when i was you know three I don't remember what my parents did with me. So I'm pretty sure she doesn't remember any of it. So I, I, and she was perfectly fine. You know, I feel like, you know, this, this um, generation, I feel like parents feel like they need to do 50 million things with their children, sign them up for a gazillion things and be everywhere all the time. Um, And I started out with that with my, with my daughter and um, I quickly got burnt out with yeah. the 50 million things. And so it, I kind of focused, you know, school and she had a couple of things, you know, well, but, if, if it helps, I saw, so what's today we're recording this on what a Friday. I think mm-hmm. I saw her Tuesday. She's fine. She's doing great. <laughs> She's great kids. She's going to England. 
She's doing just fine. I'm really yeah. proud of her. I'm proud of her. I'm proud of you as a mom. And uh, and yeah, you're 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 a very good mom and and very with it. When you are talking about your mom and how she was scrolling through trying to figure out if she quote unquote did something wrong with MS, is it similar to celiac in that it's like you have it and then something triggers it and wakes it up? Is that right? Um, So that is one of the theories. So there's kind of a bunch. So they don't know if it's environmental. Um, You know, there's different things out there. You know, people who live closer to the equator, there's less of it. Further out, there's more. Um, uh, Like, oddly enough, the Bay Area has a pocket of people um, Mm. in colder climates, like like Norway up that way. I am 40% Norwegian. My father always blames anything wrong with me on my Norwegian being Norwegian and my (laughs) mother. I don't, Norwegian people are wonderful. Okay. I'm great. Um, But um, yeah, so it could be environmental. It could be, you know, diet, you know, they eat at the equator a lot more, you know, fish and vegetables, green vegetables, you know, that's not the typical diet here. It's not. Um, it's sunnier, you know, the vitamin D is super important, you know, so I'm like always like, okay, get my 10 minutes of unprotected sun, now my sunscreen, you know, because you need that sun um, for things. Um, it could be genetic. Um, my great grandfather, I found out has it, a distant cousin has it. Now, are mm. they far enough out genetically on the Norwegian side? Um, but are they far enough out genetically that it does nothing? You know, that means nothing for me. I don't know. Um, but, you know, so yes, it's an environmental trigger. They think possibly Epstein-Barr, um, aka mm-hmm. Mono, um, mm-hmm. could be um, a, a part of it. They say, I forget the statistic now, but I want to say it's a pretty high statistic that anyone with MS has had it, mm-hmm. whether you know or not. And when I was in the seventh grade, I had tonsillitis, so I thought, for a year mm-hmm. because my tonsils were so infected. Um, and the doctor's like, oh, well, when she's ready. Well, I don't know what, you know, 12 or 13 year old says, yes, take me to surgery. <laughs> um, so, and my mom kind of followed along with what I was doing. And so that's one of the things, you know, yeah. should, should I have pushed that, you know, um, or I, you know, again, it, it, it was supposed it's my path. It was kind of there, you know, it kind of led to this potentially. So I don't know. If the so echinacea, um, mm-hmm. it is supposed to um, uh, kind of help your immune system fight. Well, my immune system should not be fighting that hard because it's now fighting the myelin. So that's why I have to be careful and why my medicine um, it suppresses my immune system is so that it doesn't attack. Um, and so, you know, my mom called, I think, Hold or the whoever the company was, like, sure. how much echinacea are you know in these cough drops? They're like, I don't think that's enough. I think there was a bunch of things. I was getting married. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a stress, happy stress. You know, I was sick. I had a terrible cold. You know, if I get sick, any any illness can um, trigger a flare. Mm -hmm. So mm-hmm. COVID was really important that I stayed as right. I didn't as see I, I didn't see you for a few years there. 
No. And, um, I, and I masked a very long time. I actually, um, whenever everybody went back to school, I stayed home. They allowed me to stay home and teach from home still. Mm -hmm. And then the second semester or the semester, you know, of 22, um, that fall or spring semester, um, I did a leave of absence and then I didn't return. It's just, I was not comfortable in the classroom. You know, yeah. and it made it hard to hear people for me. It just, and it caught, there was, an, that's another stress, you know, I'm around all these kids and then they don't wear the masks, right? And they don't wear masks. Or, mm-hmm. So it was, that was kind of one of the things that kind of pushed me to leaving. But anyway, so as far as like the disease go, there's like a whole bunch of things that they think could be reasons why. Um, I don't know if they know really specifically why there's this whole b cell t cell thing um really technical i don't understand it i mean i kind of to a very simplistic um explanation understand it to explain it don't know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that there's lots of things that could have made it happen um i think it i think i had it i think it was triggered Mm um you know so okay so do you feel like if someone has some sort of something diagnosed, is it worth it to try and go back and explain the whys? Or is it better to just be like, eh, this is what's happening. Let's move forward. Um, I think a bit of both. I think mm-hmm. if you're going to think back about why, um, I think. It's good to, because then maybe if there is something that I could have done differently to to prevent it or to um, you know I did me- I took medication right away. Some people don't, mm-hmm. right? So like for people who who get worse, you know they can think back. Well, why did it get worse? Oh, I didn't take medicine. I did mm-hmm. that. So I don't know if I can go back and have whys of what. I could have done any differently other than, yeah, I don't think I could have done anything differently. Oh, the thing with the tonsillitis also is if your immune system is compromised, they think that if um, it it could be triggered at that point, they mm. think I've read things that you, it's triggered by the time you're 15. So at 19 years old was my very first episode, but I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so I had tingling in my um, feet at the time. I had a hard time. My back was bothering me and it was diagnosed as a virus. It'll go away. They did not tell me that I had MS or suspected of MS at that time mm-hmm. um, until later on the neurologist that I went back to when I had that second flare. It was in his notes that he had suspected MS at that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Because why would I tell a night? Well, number one, they needed more than one flare to diagnose it. And he's like telling somebody who's 19 years old that you might have MS. What is that going to do? Like, you know, because then it's in your head and then you're waiting for that next thing to happen. And so, you know, for that, I'm like, okay, I, I get that. Um, and, and so, and I was good for all those years until I was 25 and then that's when it flared, you know, big, um, but so, yeah, you can go back and you can look at the whys and I think it's, it's good to kind of think back about things, but you know what, I don't blame anything or I can't, I can't change it. You know, I can't go back and change it. It's happened. And I can only move forward and, and do better. Um, do you think having MS and being diagnosed before having children changed how you parent? Do you run like every 
doctor's appointment, do you kind of question doctors more so or, or anything or? No, no. Um, actually. So the first question I had when I was diagnosed, because I was really worried is, can I have children? Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, they said no, you know, like back in the day, you know, no, because they didn't know if it was hereditary. It's like the, the, the chances are so low. I mean, there are definitely mom and daughter mom and uh, it's more prevalent in females than males but there are there are plenty of males out there who have ms um but um but um so there are plenty of you know parents and children with it but the chances are low and so that didn't cause me to think okay i'm not gonna have children because the chances are so very low and sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, I hope I wasn't selfish in that because I wanted children so badly that I've given this, this them this potential problem. Um, as of now, they're both fine. Um, they're, but, they're amazing but, and wonderful and lovely. But like your daughter, my daughter, both have celiac, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, and no, I, and I don't have it. My sister and my niece have it, you know? Mm-hmm. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't try and, and kind of scan your thoughts to try and figure out what triggered her celiac. Do you? Sometimes. Or, or I does do. she? Because she was diagnosed much later than my daughter. Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't asked her if she thinks back. Um, I know like with my sister, mm-hmm. she had problems like her whole life with canker sores mm. and eggs, you know, like um, I think eczema was one of them, like she, all these different symptoms when she looked at what celiac could cause. Um, and she's like, I have that and that and that and that and that. And nobody ever thought, oh, you have celiac yeah. disease. If we eliminate gluten, you won't have these. As soon as she eliminated gluten, I would say like 95% of her issues went away. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was amazing what it did. So like with my daughter, I, you know, I don't even know, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what it could have been. I thought maybe I thyroid disease as well, um, which is common with people with MS. Um, Wait, say it again. I missed what you said. So I have thyroid disease as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And so a lot of times you have one autoimmune, you'll have another, you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, And so I thought maybe I was 13. Um, when I was diagnosed with thyroid disease and I mean, that, that one's simple. I take a pill and fine. I don't do, you know, there are a lot yeah. of people who have a lot of problems. Sure. I don't know. And, and then, and then the things I have, you have to try to think, okay, MS thyroid. Uh, I don't know. It's that you, I don't right. know. So, so with- I, I, I don't beat myself up, but I'm aware. Um, so, so it's really hard for me to talk to you because you know my family, but I promise, <laughs> I, I promised Adam that I wouldn't put the kids' names out on. <laughs> no, I get it. Okay. Get it. So yeah. So my 18 year old um, was diagnosed at 22 months and I was working at a childcare center and this wasn't for the county. This was a for-profit childcare center. Mm-hmm. And we had moved away to the Central Valley to save money in order to move back to the Bay Area. And as we all know, it costs a crap load of money to live here. So uh, I needed, I needed to work, work. And um, she was in a different classroom than I was. And they kept prying her out of my arms to be in this other classroom, but there was just a pocket door between. So she would be on the other side of that 
slider pocket door that was latched, crying hysterically with her little chubby fingers going under the door to try and reach me. And they would not let me hold her and parent her and do all the right things. And the director at the time, who is utterly obnoxious, um, said that you can't give special treatment to her because you've got this own class to teach. So looking back on it, and that's when the vomiting started. And so I do have guilt that I caused this situation and, and, and did need to talk to a therapist and did need to work through all the things. And if I allow myself to go down there, I will cry. Like, like it's really upsetting to me that I, I continuously disregarded my gut and my intuition and like my motherly instincts and just quote unquote, followed the rules. Um, uh, cause I needed the paycheck. Um, but she assures me that it was much easier for her to have been diagnosed at 22 months because she doesn't remember what goldfish tastes like and, and that kind of thing. So for, for, for your oldest who is diagnosed in high school, right? Uh, is that right? Or junior high? Uh, let's see. It's been, she said, tell me the other day. Cause I, I always forget when it, why, I mean, I feel like it's all the years have like melded, especially with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it's been, yeah, I think her freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um, so was then, that difficult for, I mean, she's a smart kid and and she's probably like, did she go through a morning period of not being able to eat goldfish? No. I mean, she was just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and it's funny because she, she, you know, she and my, I think my niece was as crazy as it sounds, was elated. She had a gluten-free buddy. Oh, so I will, I know, I will tell you that when I came home and told my family and uh, yeah, my daughter was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, no. It's so, so but it's, it's it's really great eating out with you because I'm like, oh, do you have the find me gluten free app? And you're like, I do. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and that's the greatest thing though. Now is like, there's so many great um, for her. Like, she's so good about eating and experimenting and trying things. Where you know, I eat like a kindergartner still. So, <laughs> so it's really hard to take me out. I mean. Mike is always like, I have to cook four meals because, because he's the one who cooks, um, because nobody eats the same. And I'm like, well, you don't have to, you can choose my craft macaroni and cheese. So, Uh, so I don't know if I did, wait, I did tell you this. So my oldest is newly engaged and, mm -hmm. and her fiance is nut free. So, so that's fun. Which I mean, whatever we already read labels, but he also quote unquote eats like a kindergartner, um, And and I say that with love because I think his mom listens to my podcast. We adore him. Um, But he doesn't eat beans. And that happens to be like her biggest food group because she she doesn't need to be gluten-free, but she prefers to eat very little gluten because um, she can tell that it it bothers her a little bit. And, um, And she doesn't eat very many animal products. So beans are a huge, so, so we were on the phone today and she's like, mom, I don't even know how to meal plan and do this stuff. And I'm like, so just type into chat GPT. I I, I need, I need nut free, meat free, bean free, five meals, then chat GPT will spit it out and then copy and paste into chat GPT. 
I need an itemized grocery list for these meals. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Oh, I'm going to do this. And my family's going to be so impressed. So thank you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Michael, I'm Mike, I'm sure has your AI stuff all over the place. And he, he doesn't use it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like my resume, um, I have to say, I used, like, I, I had my like resume done and I'm like, mm, I'm going to put it in chat GPT and see how, you know, it makes it sound so much better. Like, it's, <laughs> it's the same stuff, but it just looks 10 times better, a thousand yeah. times better. I'm I like, know wow, the robots so are impressive. taking over. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say with, with, uh, with my daughter, the person she's going to England with her mm-hmm. roommate is dairy free and meat free. So oh, now interesting. Dairy free, meat free and gluten free. I'm like, what are the three of you going to, or the two of you going to eat? Yeah. And then I think there's like three or four other roommates in this like space. And I'm like, Oh, good luck. Yeah. You know, and even though she's leaving for three months, I'm like, um, no, that kitchen stays as gluten free as possible because yeah. I am not reintroducing all that in yeah. here just no too much our, our our house remains gluten-free i want I, and, and even though she's away at school yeah no it's yeah just, it's strange and then my son he's like whenever mm. i take her or what she and i will go somewhere <laughs> and he's just like gluten. <laughs> and oh my gosh oh my gosh he loves his gluten and because he he eats oh, I eat like a five-year-old or a kindergartner. He's worse. He's like three things. So trying to find food for him is like, it's a yeah. joy to live here and food. But as far as like talking about her morning food, she yeah. has, I think, made a really great, for somebody who was what, 14 or whatever it was, 15, mm-hmm. um, for thir- I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere yeah. around, around. She made a really good transition over and she was really able to, you know, she reads everything, uses the app, even though it's not always, you know, the right. um, most accurate. And, you know, she works at Trader Joe's. It doesn't work at Trader Joe's. So, um, you know, they have to really read, but they have some great stuff over there for gluten-free. I mean, it's really nice. So no, I, I feel immensely lucky that that is in our neighborhood. Um and and so 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 that is why I get to see her as often as I do, and she's constantly telling me, "Have you tried this? Have you tried that?" I'm like, "Let's go do it." <laughs> the Madelines are really good. Omg! Like, oh, no. oh. like like literally mind blown, right? They they taste. I think they. I okay. It's like an Oreo. Okay, I don't know. Am I allowed to say brand names? I don't know. But well, I wasn't going to say that she works at Trader Joe's. Oh, sorry. I'm thrilled. <laughs> so you you do you, Angela. I think it's great. Trader Joe's, yeah, no, Trader Joe's Oreos awesome are delicious. Yeah. Uh, well, no, you know what? Real Oreos. Oh yeah, those are tasty. Gluten free are, I think, better than regular Oreos. I'm not so, a huge fan of Trader Joe's Oreos. Yeah. So in our staff room at work, because because I work at the elementary school, uh, they'll bring in the gluten free Oreos. Um, because we have a teacher who's gluten-free and people have come and told me, why do they taste better? I'm like, cause they're gluten-free. Like it just, it's crispier. They, they're delicious. Yeah. Oh, my son, for a while, he was making different kinds of cakes with Oreos. Like every day we'd have a new type of cake. Like, I mean, like a full on cake, he'd crush them and mix them and make, you know, mug cake, mm. cake, cakes. I mean, like, I'm like, okay, these have <laughs> so so I've just yeah so here's the thing when when they're taken out of the package they don't have calories anymore right because we don't know <laughs> I don't know they're gone now it's in a ziplock who cares 
<laughs> that is uh, awesome. But that, um, yeah, so. Okay. So because we're still recording and I should probably be professionally with you, even though Sorry. I, I think you're great. I could talk to you all day. Uh, my biggest takeaway from knowing you for as long as I have, and, and I know when when we were off on different college paths, we didn't know each other then, but then we got to to reconnect when our kids were back in elementary school. You have continuously proven to me that you are not your diagnosis. Thank you. I try not to be. Yeah. So so if someone is listening and they think, oh, I can't do this because now I just got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis or I've got fibromyalgia or I've got this or I've got that. What advice would you give to someone? Um, I mean, because they're all different kinds of diseases and how you feel, you know, it's all it's all over the board, you know, but if you feel good and you can do it, do it, do what you can. Um, I mean, I go hiking as much as I can. I've done rock climbing walls. I do you know, Disney runs. I mean, I try to do as much as I can. So if you feel good and you can do it, even if you're not feeling spectacular and a friend calls and says, Hey, you want to go for a walk? Just go. You'll feel Mm. so much better. I mean, at least that's for me anyway. Um, I feel so much better about myself because I, you have to keep moving. I mean, if you, if you just did, then you're going to get worse. I, I feel, I feel like you've got to keep on, you know, having, keeping that movement and, and wanting to keep going. You can only watch so much TV. I mean, I do love TV, um, but you know, after a while you do have to get up and go. Um, so people with those things, I mean, they are so different and I can't say, you know, exactly cause I've not lived with those. Um, but as far as mine goes, I mean, it's really a mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of my friends. I have quite a few friends actually who have MS. Um, in, in, I've met them in various ways and I've known them before. And then they were diagnosed. It's kind of weird or people know people and they're like, Oh, would you talk to my friend? Sure. And um, so I'm always open to that. So if you ever have people, listeners or whatever, and they need a, somebody to talk to you, I am happy to do that. Okay. I would, um, I would be, I, I like doing, you know, it makes me feel okay. Happy. So we'll absolutely put in the show notes when this comes out, how people can find you and, and reach out to you sure. directly. Sure. Um, I, I, when you talked about mindset, we talk a lot about mindset on the podcast in like putting yourself in quote unquote, a good mood <laughs> is, is, is how, I sort of like in mindset work. So do you have a certain process? Do you do affirmations? Do you do journaling? Do you meditate? What do you do to put yourself in that kind of positive frame? I should do all of those things. <laughs> um, uh, I should. I mean, I think about, I like, I listen to your podcast and about, about journaling. I'm like, mm, okay. So this morning I was thinking about it. I'm like, how do I want to feel today? You know, I mean, like I, I think about it. I mean, I do it, but I think it, you know, and I'm like, I, I want to feel happy. You. I adore you. Oh, yes. And then now my watch is like, what mood are you in? And I'm like, wait, your watch talks to you. Well, yeah, it'll pop up like with a question. I'll be like, how are you feeling today? And then it'll give me like a list of things. And then I can go back into the app, you know, and, and look and kind of chart out like how I feel during the day. And then I can think about what just happened you know, and why I feel that way or whatever. Um, but, um, I mean, I have to say for the majority of the time I am in a 
good mood. I mean, I, I'm, my family may say different, um, because I don't see it. I mean, I feel like I'm fine on my, hello. <laughs> she didn't know I was recording. Sorry. My youngest just came in. I told her, I said, I'm getting on the phone with Miss Mullins. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> She's now laughing on the other side of the door. Hey. So Katie, I really, sorry. I just said her name. <laughs> We're going to have to hang out. (laughs) Okay. Hey, slow down society. I think you're great. I think you're amazing. I am going to un, I'm going to stop recording with my friend Angela, but please track her down. If you have any questions that you want me to forward to her, email me. I will email you back, Steph at stephanieoday.com. I'm a real person. Angela is a real person. Mm -hmm. I adore her. Thank you for spending so much time with me. Um, I think you're just absolutely wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so nice. (laughs) You are very wonderful yourself. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to press stop. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.